Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Well, here we are, Friday, Friday of the fifth week of Lent, and that means that next week is Holy Week. It's hard to believe that this time has gone by so quickly, but here we are. Now, let me ask you, when you have something coming up in the future, if you're going on maybe a trip or a vacation, maybe you have a presentation at work, or if your extended family is getting together around the holidays, whatever it might be, if you have that something that's coming up in the future, do you spend a lot of time planning ahead? Do you go through all the details of what's coming up? Uh, so that you've thought ahead, you've planned for all the different variables, all the contingencies. Do you go over things a second, a third, maybe even a fourth time to make sure you haven't forgotten anything? Or do you like to wing it? Do you like to not get too caught up in all those details? Just enjoy the experience in the moment. I myself, I am a planner. I didn't always used to be. I am now. But when I was young... For the most of, of the things that I would have happen in my life, I wouldn't put too much effort into planning ahead. There were some things, of course. Yeah, you had to be prepared. You know, I, uh, if you were doing a sport, you had to practice with the team, right? Um, I grew up playing the piano. So if you've got a piano recital, you better practice ahead of time. Put in those hours ahead. Otherwise, you're going to look like an idiot once you get up there and try and wing your way through playing a piece on the piano. Uh, so, yeah, there are those things. But if it wasn't something that I considered important when I was young, I'd be very happy not to spend too much mental energy on that, you know, whatever it was that was coming up until it actually was happening. I also had a really good memory. Uh, I say past tense because, uh, you know, it, it was good. It wasn't photographic, but I, I had really vivid recall of conversations. I was really good at being able to keep track of different schedules and different plans. I never really had to write much down. If I heard something in a lecture from a teacher in middle school or high school, even somewhat into college, I didn't really have to take notes in the class. I could recall a lot of things that were coming up on a test or, you know, a quiz. But as I got older... Uh, you know, as a, I became a husband and a father, all of that started to kind of change for me. My memory, for whatever reason, it just isn't quite as good as it used to be when I was a teenager or when I was in, in my early 20s. I think primarily, <laughs> I, I'm just, this is completely my own thought here. It's probably my kids. I, I used to never call my kids by their siblings' names. That was something that my mom only did. Uh, she would call me by my brother's name or call my brother by my name. But I would never do that when my, my uh, oldest kids, when they were little, never do that. But the older I, I get, I think there's some sort of inverse proportionality relating to your age and how many times you call your child by the name of one of their siblings. And it drives me nuts that I'm doing that now. But I, I do that. And so 
as I got older, as I had that realization that I didn't remember things the way I used to, I knew that I needed to change the way I did things. And so now I do plan. I, I plan for all kinds of things, and I write lists, and I don't want to forget anything. So, yeah, I've always got a notepad. I've always got something that I'm, I'm writing down or I'm planning for. And if our family's going on a trip, I plan well in advance. I make those lists for projects and tasks the, at work or around the house. I even take time to make a weekly dinner menu and a grocery list. And now this one isn't so much about forgetting. This is more about being efficient with our time and our money. But uh, my wife, Belen, she loves being spontaneous and in the moment. So when I approach her about, hey, you know, here's the menu, here's the the grocery list for the week, she hates it. She knows, she knows that I do it because we can plan ahead, we can save money and sticking to the shopping list. It keeps us from picking up a bunch of extra things at the store. It also helps us, you know, along with saving money, it prevents extra waste. But, um, there, there's so many different times that I've approached her and she just rolls her eyes and lets out a groan and says, oh, okay, sure, we can look at it. So she might appreciate my efforts to be frugal and to plan, but she really doesn't want to be involved in that process. But I've made that switch from when I was young and I didn't want to plan. I didn't want to uh, have to look ahead that much to now I am a planner. And since I'm a planner, I'm kind of inviting you along with me here today and hoping you'll take uh, a, a note from my book, you know, the, the notes that I jot down, those lists. Um, but take that note from my book and plan with me as we look ahead to Holy Week. I want you to plan with me on how we can make this a really special week as we journey with Jesus, starting from Palm Sunday all the way to his Last Supper, his arrest, his betrayal, the suffering that he goes through, the crucifixion, throughout all of this how can we get the most out of what is coming up each day throughout Holy Week? And I'm also going to invite you to call in with how you've been able to make Holy Week truly a Holy Week for yourself. What do you do, whether it's on your own or as a family, to make Holy Week special? What are some of those things that you do to help you focus and meditate on Jesus' suffering and sacrifice Maybe some of the prayers, some of the different activities you might have done with your kids when they're little or with your family now. And then anticipating the Easter, the resurrection. It's right around the corner. But how do we enter into our Lord's passion here in Holy Week? And helping us look at this, helping us plan ahead, is one of the spiritual directors that you've heard here on The Inner Life before, Father Brian Geary. Father Geary is a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, the pastor of St. James Parish in Belvedere, Illinois. And Father Geary, welcome to The Inner Life today. Thank you, Josh. Great to be here. Yeah, so as we want to look and plan ahead for Holy Week. Uh, first thing that we've got coming up, we've got Palm Sunday. And I think maybe outside of the Easter Vigil Mass, or, you know, there might be an occasional Mass sometimes that you go to where it's longer because of some of the things that are happening, maybe a, a confirmation uh, Mass that's happening. But as far as especially a regular Sunday Mass, the Palm Sunday might be the longest Mass that we attend all year long. And there's a lot that's happening there. What are some things, especially from you as a priest, as you're preparing for that liturgy, what are some things that we as laity might be able to do and get ourselves ready and, and really experience what's happening there on Palm Sunday? I think for most Catholic laity, and as I was for many years, you, you're kind of aware of it, but then you're, you're like, oh, this is the long gospel 
day. You know, <laughs> this is Palm Sunday. That's right. Yeah. And and it's kind of you're like, oh, okay, I've got to stand a long time for this gospel. And but as you hear the words and they wash over you, you you begin to enter into our Lord's betrayal and His passion, and it it just sets so perfectly the stage for the the coming days to culminate on Easter. But if instead of just being caught off guard or not being attentive, we, what we can do is anticipate this day and go into Palm Sunday, uh, having either read the gospel beforehand or just mentally and emotionally prepare ourselves to enter into what our Lord was going through as he uh, rode in on the donkey and they were acclaiming him Messiah and King and saying Hosanna to the, the highest blesses. He who comes in the name of the Lord where where we can see, well, our, is our love fickle for God? Are we with him in good times but not in the bad? Uh, uh as the gospel begins, it's they're singing hosannas, and then at the end, they crucify him, crucify him. We see in our own lives that our love needs to be constant with our Lord in good times and bad. And if we can enter into Palm Sunday with that mindset, I think the gospel will be more fruitful for us all week long. Yeah, and, and that is something that is really striking from where you have the first gospel that's read before you process in and you do you you have kind of this oh this is this is you know we're all waving our palms as we're walking into the sanctuary but then pretty quickly you're at a point where yeah you are you're hearing those words crucify him and we're kneeling and we're pausing there during that passion reading so there's there's a big dynamic shift there from walking into Mass to where we are maybe, you know, 15, 20 minutes later at the most. Yes, it's, there's, there's a real uh, wave of emotion that you, that you ride in that, in the celebratory nature of the entrance, as you said. But then quickly you realize how we have betrayed our Lord and how we have said those words and our sins have, have uh, driven him to the cross as payment for our sins, but also as proof of our, of his love for us. And so the, there, there are many emotions we go through as Catholics in that one hour. It's very packed, in fact. And that's why I think the Church extends these days, in devoting each day to its the own, a different aspect of the mystery so that we can draw more fruit from it. So let's talk about that then. Um, we we come from Palm Sunday, where, like you say, you know, we can we can prepare ourselves. We can read through the different uh, gospel readings. We can be ready to enter into that ride, that wave of emotion that'll happen there. I know for me in my own life that it's pretty easy to walk away from Palm Sunday, and then it's not really until Holy Thursday that I find myself kind of re-engaged with, okay, now we're, we're back into Holy Week here. But on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday of Holy Week, um, what are some good ways that we can make those significant and we can bring that extra meaning to them? And maybe we can just start with Monday of Holy Week. Well, I think as we acknowledge Lord, our Lord is our King on Palm Sunday, we also, and the, the, the Gospel on Monday— is speaking of our Lord's anointing for burial and Judas's uh, criticism of the woman breaking of Mary at Bethany, breaking open this this uh, 
I think it's an alabaster jar, right, of of, uh, pure nard, if I remember correctly? Yeah, as our Lord said, leave her alone, this is the anointing for my burial. So I I look at the extravagant love of this woman for our Lord's body and her anticipation of his saving passion. So I think what uh, just an initial reflection that comes to my mind would be our love for our Lord's body and blood in the Eucharist. A wonderful way to commemorate this Monday of Holy Week would be to spend time in Eucharistic adoration or to make a visit to our local church and adore our Lord in the tabernacle if if there's no exposition of the Blessed Sacrament there so that we might show the, the extravagant love that the woman, that Mary showed him as we may weep for our sins, may pour out our heart to our Lord, whose body and blood we acknowledge to be present as she did, and how we can show this extravagant love for him as she did from our hearts poured out in love for Jesus, truly present there. Yeah, the, the significance of uh, even the cost of that perfume that was poured out for Jesus, I just pulled it up here, 300 days wages, is what Judas then says, you know, why wasn't this sold? It could have been sold for 300 days' wages. So, you know, depending on where kind of that median salary is for people, I mean, you might be talking about a bottle of perfume today that could be worth, what, you know, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, depending on, on where you're kind of looking at that salary cap. Yes, it, that, that's just when I first realized that, wait a minute, that's a year's salary. <laughs> And I didn't think, uh, I'm not a perfume or cologne guy, right? I, but um, people can spend that kind of money on cologne or perfume or, no, I guess so. Um, and not only is it something for our day, but it was people had that kind of wealth that they would spend on themselves. Yeah, it, um, it's Cosmetically it's, and, you know, how we can be selfish with that, those things, you know. Yeah, it, it's pretty astounding when you actually put it into kind of modern... Uh, perspective on on what really was offered to Jesus at that point. All right, so we've got Monday that we've looked at here of Holy Week. Um, before we take a, a break here, let's look at Tuesday. How can we really enter in on Tuesday of Holy Week and make that something significant for us? What what are maybe something that we can meditate on or reflect on there? Well, I, in all of these uh, accounts from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, Judas is really taking center, center stage as the consistent character in this, the drama of our Lord's passion and betrayal. So his betrayal is, is uh, evident on Tuesday in the scriptures, and it's, it's, um, it's shocking to see that one of the twelve who were the first apostles um, you know, was rotten, as, as our Lord said, and one of you is a devil. So I think we need to, we'll see this more on Thursday, of course, but to pray for priests, to pray for bishops, that they may be faithful to our Lord, and in the time of trial may not betray him, maybe to make reparation for uh, priests and bishops, uh, to pray for their fidelity and their faithfulness, and even for our own witness, that we might not, when push comes to shove, or when we're put in front of others, that we may not betray our Lord either in the public square or within our family or workplace or wherever our faith is put to the test. Mm. It reminds me of when Jesus is saying uh, at the Last Supper, you know, that, that Peter, you're going to betray, or you're going to deny me. 
And Peter says, no, you know, that's never going to happen. And I think it's at that point that Jesus says, you know, Satan has asked for you, but I have prayed for you that you will not fall into that temptation, that you will not be taken away by him. Um, so, yeah, that that right there just falls back into what you're saying, just praying for priests and bishops, um, uh, that they, they can stay strong. And it, it, one of the things that I want to look at when we come back to is Judas. You mentioned he's kind of a prime player here in these readings through this week. And so that also, I've always heard the phrase Spy Wednesday. So we can talk more about that coming up here. But we're looking at how we can prepare for Holy Week. One of the reasons we're doing that is because next week, uh, here during this hour of the inner life, Father Rocky will have a Holy Week mission. It's entitled Close to Jesus to the Last, The Passion of Christ in Five Parts. And so Monday through Friday of next week, you'll be able to reflect on some of these different things that we're talking about here. But again, we want to take that look ahead on how to plan for Holy Week. And so you can really enter into our Lord's journey uh, from Palm Sunday to the Last Supper, to the cross, the crucifixion, And we also want to hear how you make Holy Week holy. What do you do, whether it's on your own or as a family, to make Holy Week special? What are some some of the things that help you to focus and meditate on Jesus' suffering and sacrifice? You can give us a call, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We'll be back with Father Brian Geary, our spiritual director here on The Inner Life, after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. We're speaking with our Spiritual Director, Father Brian Geary. Father Geary is a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, and we're looking at how we can prepare for Holy Week, how we can make it something maybe a little more special, a little more significant than in the past, and want to know how you do that. How do you, on your own or as a family, what do you do to make Holy Week special? What are some of the things that you do to help you focus and meditate on Jesus' suffering and his sacrifice and uh, make that Holy Week truly holy? You can give us a call, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Or you can email innerlife at relevantradio.com. And Father Gary, uh, right before the break, we were talking about um, Judas and some of the different interactions that he's having in the gospel readings for Monday of Holy Week, for Tuesday of Holy Week. And Nick, our, our crack researcher here, he ended up looking up once we were talking about the value of the perfume that the woman brings and anoints Jesus with. And Nick said the most expensive cologne or perfume that he can find right now, it's called Clive Christian Number no. 1 Imperial Majesty, and the cost is $12,725. 
And wow. then Nick also looked up and he said, okay, so the minimum wage in the United States right now, uh, at least federally, it might be different state by state, but federally, is $7.25. And so if you take that and you work that out over 52 weeks over a quarter, uh, over the course of a year, 40 hours a week, that comes out to a little over 15000 So if you've got a perfume that's around 12000 uh, and you've got a... Uh, minimum wage earnings that's about 15000 That's probably around your 300 uh, days worth of work right there. Wow. Yeah. That's just, it's, it's mind-boggling, that, that kind of generosity. And the saints have always said that we should give our best for our Lord's true presence in the Eucharist. And um, that just that kind of love um, it, that, that, the, that Mary showed at Bethany, at that last supper before his passion um, was so inspiring for us even to today. Yeah, and, and and it can also put us to shame if we're saying, oh, I can give something, but oh, I don't know, that's going to stretch me. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think we can all probably be stretched even more. And I'm, I'm pointing at myself more than anybody uh, that would be listening, that I can definitely stretch myself on what I can offer Christ. Uh, another thing that I mentioned to you was right before the break, I said, Wednesday of Holy Week. I've heard that uh, title, Spy Wednesday. Why do we call it Spy Wednesday? Well, that was taken from uh, from the old calendar, um, and it was in reference to Judas's intent to betray our Lord Jesus uh, when he was in the house of uh, Simon the leper in Bethany, when it was in his intention to to betray our Lord. And that's when his heart was set on betraying him and um, then sought for 30 pieces of silver to hand over our blessed Lord. So that's why it was called Spy Wednesday, because of his intention uh, to carry through with the betrayal. And so looking at that, looking at that betrayal, what are some different things that come to your mind that uh, we might be able to reflect on, that we might be able to meditate on, on that Wednesday in Holy Week? Well, I I can't get past myself. First, I guess Josh would be to to um, really to examine my heart in any ways that I may have betrayed our Lord, and to resolve again to confess betrayals or times where I um, would have sold out for our Lord, you know, because I was afraid of a witness or of what that might cost me. Um, I think. Also, with regard to uh, the fact that Judas um, was going to be a bishop, that how we're all responsible, especially priests, in caring for the stewardship of our people, and we have a grave responsibility to that. And we, the next day in Holy Thursday, when we reconsecrate ourselves and our vows again with our bishop at Mass in the cathedral, we we resolve again not to use our office for any kind of greedy or sordid gain. And um, how our Lord, through his purity and through his poverty, is always giving us an example of calling us priests back to uh, the spirit of gospel poverty and how we should you know, treat uh, wealth and the, and the offerings of the people with the greatest care and call ourselves back to a you know, an examination of conscience to make sure that we're living the gospel poverty like our Lord. 
Mm, yeah, you know, whether it's you talking about that from the standpoint of a priest or me looking at, at it from the standpoint of, you know, the, the, the things that I've been blessed with, you know, whether it's the job that I have, the wife I have, the children, in, you know, that both of us have together, that idea of stewardship, that's a, a tough thing to live out. It's something we're all called to do, but realize that the things that are given to us are not just ours, but that we have to have that idea of being a steward, a keeper, a, a caretaker of those things that God has entrusted us with. Yes. And I think we, we see Judas, but I mean, you know, as the betrayer. And, you know, I think when we're younger, we were little kids were mad that Judas did that to Jesus. <laughs> as we get older, we realize I'm that guy. You know, I can betray our Lord. And, and a Catholic who's been a Catholic for a while and it just it's it's a time to examine oneself and say, have I witnessed to our Lord? Have I um, witnessed to Him in the workplace or in uh, the public square? Or have I cared for the and been a good steward of the blessings that He's given me so richly? And um, how can I, in in the, within the church, live to you know be generous and to be a good steward? I think. Those are the things that come to my mind anyway. Yeah. You know, I, looking at Judas, I remember reading this one reflection. This was years ago, but it, I think it just for me really opened up my eyes at how much Jesus loves each one of us. And the reflection was that in a lot of art where, especially um, Renaissance art, uh, church art, where there is Jesus that descends to the grave, descends to Sheol or, or you know, Hades, the, the um, uh, going into hell, you know, not, not the hell of the damned, but that he's freeing the captives that have been held there um, because now he holds the keys of the kingdom. And the different paintings, the different art that represents this, a lot of times you'll see Adam and Eve being the first ones that are released, that are following right behind Jesus. Or you'll see that there's maybe one of the early patriarchs of uh, the Jewish faith, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, somebody like that, Moses or, or Elijah. But in this reflection, this person wrote, they said that he likes to imagine that Jesus is there still looking, still searching for that little lost lamb that is Judas, that, you know, even though he made the comment that it's better for Judas never to have been born, um, that he still loves him with that unconditional, perfect love, that he still wishes that, that Judas would come to repentance, that he would be able to save him as well. And that, that really just struck me as to the love of Christ. I know that's just a personal reflection, but it really did help me in just saying, oh, you know, we're so used to, like you say, especially as kids, oh, Judas is a bad guy, <laughs> you know, and just leaving it there and not saying Jesus loved him and he was willing to die on the cross for him as, well, as much as any of us. I, I'm struck also, as you mentioned, Christian art and, and just our imagination looking at the, the uh, passion narratives that our Lord allowed himself to be kissed by Judas. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine the pain in uh, our Lord's heart, but he allowed it, you know. And so um, how it, it's, it calls us for, to a more purified love for our Lord's body, too, as well, that and when we make our Holy Communions, that it be something that pleases our Lord, that we become more worthy through sacramental uh, confession. 
and through a devotion and through a purity of heart so that we can receive our Lord and repair uh, that betrayal from Judas. We're speaking with Father Brian Geary, our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life, and looking at how we can prepare for Holy Week. How do you prepare yourself for Holy Week? Maybe it's something you haven't given a lot of thought to, or maybe you have things that you do, whether it's on your own or as a family, that you try and make Holy Week something that is truly holy, something that's special. What are those things that you do that help you focus and meditate on Jesus' suffering and sacrifice, the narrative that we follow through Holy Week? Uh, as we leave from Palm Sunday, where there is the celebratory aspect of walking in and following Jesus, singing Hosanna, entering into Jerusalem, and then going through that week where there is the betrayal, there is the denial by two of his best friends, where there's the Last Supper, where we watch Jesus arrested and beaten and crucified. You can give us a call and tell us how you make Holy Week that special week for yourself. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father Geary, let's look now at Holy Thursday, um, also called Maundy Thursday. What's the significance of that name? Well, it comes from the Latin mandatum, which means a command to do something. And our Lord gave that command when he instituted his body and blood, saying, do this in memory of me. And, and that those two words, do this, he instituted two sacraments, the sacrament of the Most Holy Eucharist, his body and blood, soul and divinity, and the, the Eucharist, which makes the, the uh, consecration possible. So two sacraments were instituted by those two words by our Lord, do this. But also we have commemorated often, it's an option, but it's usually done in parishes, uh, the washing of the feet. As our Lord washed the apostles' feet, he said, what I have done you also must do, and have a love of a servant. Now, these priests or bishops were the most exalted in our Lord's uh, sacramental order, but he, our Lord Jesus humbled himself, out-humbled everyone, <laughs> um, not only by becoming man, but even washing the, his priests' feet to teach them to be servants and not lord over their authority, over their lay people. Um, it was a command of our Lord to, to serve that way. Mm. Uh, now, you, when you're saying this, I, I, I mean, I'm just having these kind of flashbacks to past Holy Thursdays where I've been at Mass, and, you know, there are so many different things to see. Um, but there's also a different Mass that's also celebrated on Holy Thursday. There's two different celebrations of the Mass that happen. And before we go into the Holy Thursday, the evening Mass that most of us will probably be familiar with, can you explain the other Mass for us? What is it and what's the significance there? Sure. So most, what's most traditional and what most parishes do throughout the world is uh, the bishop of the diocese calls all his priests to the cathedral for a Mass in the morning on Holy Thursday, now known as the Chrism Mass, where we renew our priestly consecration, our promises of obedience, and our, we, it really is the priest day. Um, if, if you were to have think of an anniversary of a, the, the most significant day for a priest, it's Holy Thursday. It's really more important than the day of their ordination. Because what unites us all together throughout the world is this is is the our the reminder of our ordination, where we gather at the cathedral where we were probably all ordained with the current bishop, and again renew that consecration. We also receive the holy oils that we will use for the um, pre-baptismal uh, anointing with the oil of catechumens, 
the anointing for the sick, the oils for the sick, as we'll go throughout the next year with those blessed oils by the bishop to uh, anoint the dying, and also the sacred chrism, which we'll use in baptisms, ordinations to the priesthood, and confirmation throughout the course of the year. And so with that chrism mass, is that something where anybody can attend that? Is, you said it's where the bishop calls all the priests. Is it just for the priests themselves? Well, unfortunately, Josh, this year, yes, with COVID and our oh, sure, diocese, sure. only be priests. But, but normally, no, it's a day of great joy for the entire diocese. Usually the cathedral is packed with people. It's an open invitation. It's something that lay people find one of the most enjoyable and beautiful liturgies of the year. And they, they're, they feel very privileged to attend. And so I encourage everyone to go to a chrism mass in the future. If you can't go this year because of COVID, then please mark your calendar in the future. It's something you should experience. It's a beautiful liturgy where um, the priests renew their consecration. Also, since we're on the subject, and I often say this to people, um, every layperson should go to an ordination in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. Now, Josh, I don't know if you've been to one, but they're very powerful. And this sacrament of holy orders is one of the sacraments of the church, probably one that we take most for granted because we come to Mass and see the priests, and that's great, and we appreciate it. But do we know what goes into the consecration of a priest and, and this beautiful uh, ordination ceremony? It, uh, it's a very, I think, I'm convinced many vocations are born of men who see other men being ordained. That's how powerful the ordination rite is. So I encourage all of you to go to an ordination at least once in your life, and, and even to the Chrism Mass, if you can. What would be the best way, if should you just contact the um, vocation office, the vocations director in your diocese or archdiocese, and then find out where there will be the opportunity to go to an ordination Mass? Yes, I think that would be the best way to contact the chancery. Any, any official there, the vocations director would be a perfect one. And with... Um, Smaller ordination classes right now in our history, there's usually plenty of space in the back of the church. <laughs> you, um, you can get in. Um, I don't even think they ticket it right now unless there's a very big ordination class. But uh, I can't say it enough. You, you really, every Catholic should be able to witness the conferral of holy orders of this great sacrament that Christ instituted on Holy Thursday. Mm. We're speaking with Father Brian Geary, our spiritual director here today on The Inner Life. We're looking ahead, planning for Holy Week. One of the reasons we're doing that is because we won't have the opportunity to speak here on The Inner Life next week. All next week during this hour, Father Rocky's Holy Week mission, Close to Jesus to the Last, The the Passion of Christ in Five Parts, that's going to play during this hour. And I really hope you will plan to tune in each day. Uh, Father, he'll give you so many different things to contemplate as we all walk together with Jesus throughout Holy Week. And, you know, a lot of times as you're listening to the radio, I know it might be that you're in for 10 minutes here or 15 minutes, 20 minutes there. Uh, If you have the time to set aside that hour each day next week, I really encourage you to do so, uh, to be able to listen to Father Rocky's Holy Week mission. And he also will, as we're talking, you know, we've been talking here about Holy Thursday. We're going to talk about Good Friday coming up. But if you're unable to attend 
at your parish for the Triduum. You can actually join us here at Relevant Radio next week on Holy Thursday. Father Rocky will celebrate Mass at 5 p.m. Central. Then on Good Friday, you can join Father Rocky for a Good Friday service at 4 p.m. Central. And then on Holy Saturday, Relevant Radio is going to carry the Easter Vigil Mass from the Vatican with Pope Francis. That starts at 1.30 in the afternoon uh, Central Time here on Relevant Radio. You can find a whole schedule of our Holy Week broadcasts and uh, special programs at RelevantRadio.com. And uh, we will be back with more here as we're talking about planning for Holy Week. How do you make Holy Week special in your family, in your own life? Uh, We'd love to hear how you have made that a special week and things that you do, maybe some of the traditions that you observe as a family or as an individual. Give us a call, 888-914-9149, or email innerlife at RelevantRadio.com. More after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Inner Life Show. Or email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. How do you make Holy Week holy? What are some of the things that you've done to make that a special week, something that allows you to walk along with Jesus throughout the week, leading up to His suffering, His sacrifice there at Calvary? Are there things that you've done on your own, maybe as a family, to make Holy Week special? We'd love to hear how you've done that in your own life. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We're speaking with Father Brian Geary, a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, and pastor of St. James Parish in Belvedere, Illinois. And Father Geary, right before the break, we were talking about Holy Thursday, and to continue that conversation, looking at Holy Thursday... There's so many different things that will happen. You mentioned, you know, there's the washing of the feet um, that happens there. Uh, But as we go through that Holy Thursday Mass, one of the things I—it's always so vivid for me— as we get to the end, there's the stripping of the altar, and then there's the procession with a monstrance, the Holy Eucharist, Jesus there, as we're all kneeling. Um, But then we also— it's just silent. There's no, there's no ending with the sign of the cross. There's no, the Mass has ended, you know, and all of us saying thanks be to God. It, it, there's such a, a different close to that evening than any other Mass that I've ever encountered. Yeah, and that, that ritual speaks so powerfully to us, Josh, and the silence and the, the, uh, the stripping of the altar, as you say, the procession. As our Lord left the Last Supper, where he instituted the Eucharist, then he went with his um, Peter, James, and John into the Garden of Gethsemane. And that's what we do. What, at the end of Mass, uh, at the end of Holy Thursday liturgy, we have a Eucharistic procession to an altar of repose where we sing the Pange Lingua, and, which is usually sung at the end of benediction. You'd recognize the last verse or so. But then we spend time, several hours that night, and with our Lord, it's it's uh, liturgically supposed to represent the time that he was in the Garden of Gethsemane after just celebrating the Last Supper with his apostles. 
and how his apostles fell asleep. Uh, Peter, James, and John, three times he had to go wake them. So this is how we can, again, repair, how we can accompany our Lord, walking with him into the Garden of Gethsemane, into his agony, and how our prayers will strengthen him and you know, give him the, the consolation mystically, and it's really possible that uh, he will need as he goes forward uh, to the crucifixion the next day. The, the stripping of the altar, once the stark stripping where you see just the altar um, is a reminder, too, that the, the altar represents three things. The, the table upon which the Lord instituted the Last Supper, the rock where the crucifixion w- took place, where the, where the uh, cross was placed, and the slab upon which our Lord's dead body was laid where he rose from the dead. And that that threefold imagery symbolism is really amplified when the uh, altar is stripped, and it's as if our Lord's uh, humanity is being stretched to its limit, and His divine cond- uh, condescension to uh, to us sinners is made evident. Mm, that's that's beautiful. Um, one of the other things that I always have uh, heard people talk about is visiting different parishes some you know somebody might live someplace where it's not practical you can't drive because the next parish might be you know an hour hour and a half away but if you're in a city where there are numerous parishes that that evening of holy thursday you try and visit a number of parishes and visit jesus there in the eucharist uh what what's the what's the maybe the background and the the history on that i think it goes back to ancient rome i think the practice began there in the Roman Church, where uh, seven churches were visited on Holy Thursday as a perfect number, as a way to uh, console our Lord, to to realize that His presence in the tabernacle is uh, real, and it's not just during Mass, but it's he, He's truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. How we are mystically present in all aspects of His humanity in the in the Eucharist, and um, how we show our love and devotion to him, especially in this hour of greatest anguish, uh, by going to him in the tabernacle and giving him our love. And uh, the, the practice is very ancient, and so for those who are able to, sometimes with COVID you may not be able to do that so right. much this year, but um, it depends on where you are in the country, but it, especially in a city where you may have several churches within a few miles, it's a beautiful practice, not just to be with our Lord um, in in His agony in the, in the tabernacle, but even just to see other churches, to see the faith that's pr- present in other people, and even ethnic parishes, you see different people praying, and it unites you um, in confidence with others who are praying that, that holy night. Now, we're talking about Holy Thursday. Let's let's look at Good Friday here. Uh, both of these days, even though they have so much, there's, there's so much richness that we experience when we enter into the parish and we participate in the liturgy here for Holy Thursday and for Good Friday. But they're not holy days of obligation. But I will say, at least in our parish before last year when COVID struck, that it would be on on Good Friday, especially standing room only. You know, there'd be overflow seating. There'd be people just wall to wall. 
and it would be in the middle of the day. And, you know, so people are having to get out of work. They're having to change their schedules around. But it was it's always amazed me how many people attend Good Friday. Uh, there are so many different things that happen. It's not a mass. It's the only day of the year for the church that mass isn't celebrated. What are some of the different things that we can look ahead to and ways that we can prepare ourselves for that Good Friday liturgy? Yes, and as you said too, Josh, uh, thank you that you, encouraging people to come to Holy Thursday, Good Friday, it, those are not Holy Days of Obligation, but uh, how much richness there is there to appreciate and participate in. But uh, as you said too, that on, on Holy Thursday, we leave the church in silence because the Mass began Holy Thursday evening and ends at the Easter Vigil. But So for Holy Thursday, the Mass begins and then it continues in silence which is which is necessary to hear God through Thursday. Friday begin the Good Friday liturgy begins in total silence, with the priests and deacons prostrate in front of the altar in red vestments to show our Lord's precious blood being shed. It's a very powerful thing just to, to for a priest too, but for the laity to see. Just you begin in total silence, and people kneel, and the priests are prostrate in front of the altar for a time, and then uh, then begins. The, the readings from Isaiah, the suffering servant, the very long, beautiful, heart-wrenching 53rd chapter of Isaiah, and then the My God, My God, Why Have, I, why have You Abandoned Me psalm, and then then we read the Passion again from John, and then there's the veneration of the cross, which is so beautiful, mm-hmm. uh, where in some places COVID won't allow it this year, but in most uh, other places you can still, and what people see it as a very significant part of their spirituality, and I and it's very Catholic, where people would come up one by one, child or old person, wheelchair or in the <laughs> in a stroller, and they would kiss Jesus, uh, uh, kiss his feet or his sacred head on the crucifix, just held there with candles and, uh, and servers. And as the choir sings the reproaches and, and uh, spiritual songs about our Lord's agony, it's very powerful. It's very draining. But it's it's very cathartic for people to show out an outpouring of love for Jesus and um, to acknowledge what he has done for us on the cross. And then we, again, exit Good Friday in silence as well. Yes, in total silence we leave. And um, we're called to keep that silence, too. The Church you know, encourages us strongly from, again, beginning on, Good Thir- on Holy Thursday, but after you leave on Good Friday— to remain silent, and the Church teaches us by her ritual that to try to maintain that silence, to get off Facebook, to get off TV, to turn the radio off, to accompany our Lord in his death and into Holy Saturday until that glorious moment of the celebration uh, at sundown on Easter, at the Easter Vigil on Saturday night. But, yeah, silence, it's the Church is teaching us and calling us to silence in the in the mystery of the Lord's redemption and his death on Calvary, that silence is the only response to such great love and such an offering of our Lord on the cross. Mm. We're running really short on time here, Father Gary, but uh, before we have to wrap up, maybe in just a, a minute or two, you can explain to us, give us a little taste of, if somebody has not been to the Easter Vigil Mass, why would they want to go to that instead of Easter Sunday? I mean, they can, of course, go to both. But but if they've never been to Easter, the Easter Vigil, 
what would they what would be the reason that you would say go to that it's it's important you should experience it yes um it again it's some dioceses they won't be able to do all the parts of the ritual but the one of the most beautiful things is that it begins at at sunset and there's the easter fire which comes from saint patrick it's how he converted ireland where uh they were so you know, taken up by the fire god, but he said, I'll make a bigger fire and I'll command. And he was a man of great gesture. And so the church has this Easter fire outside the church where the Paschal candle represents Christ, uh, is blessed and carried in procession as we chant. The the, the uh, church is filled with people and converts who are becoming Catholic and adults who are being baptized and people making their confirmation, First Holy Communion for the first time, uh, where we... the the light that's been blessed by the Easter fire spreads throughout the church and we're by candlelight and we're singing the exultet, which is this, the Easter hymn of praise that the Lord has risen as he promised. And the deacon or priest sings that beautiful hymn and we celebrate the Lord's resurrection and baptize and confirm and, and celebrate our Lord's uh, great triumph over death. It's, it's so rich. It is. Everyone it's, should experience it's it. It's so beautiful. If you haven't been to an Easter Vigil Mass, and if you haven't been to the other, uh, you know, uh, Holy Thursday or Good Friday, I encourage you to do that. Father, we're down to about 10 seconds here, but can I ask you for a final blessing for our listeners, please? Sure, man. Mighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Brian Geary in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois. He's been our spiritual director today. If you missed any part of the conversation here, you can always go back and find the podcast at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Make sure to stay tuned. We've got Mass that's coming up here next with Father Rocky. And remember, all next week during this hour, you can listen to Father Rocky on his Holy Week mission, Close to Jesus to the Last, The Passion of Christ in Five Parts. Have a blessed Holy Week, everyone.